travelling party consisted of five athletes Gary, Gerhardt, Gertrude, Tiny and the replacement for the injured Gregory plus two coaches who were Gary's da and Tiny's coach Tickles. Tickles would also act as the masseur and kitman for the team plus two journalists and seven members of the local egg trial committee. No one complained too much with the selection of Gregory's uncle as the replacement. After all, he was Team Forklift's best-placed competitor at the previous egg, and he did not need a coach as he trained himself. A small flock of starlings appeared overhead, just as the travelling party had completed their pre-flight checks and were about to point their bills skywards for the takeoff. Gary recognised them straight away. Seb, Sarge, Colonel Starling and the rest of the delinquents began a low-level fly-past over the heads of the onlooking gannets and started an acrobatic manoeuvre that ended with the unfurling of a banner. The Starlings held each corner of the banner tightly to prevent it rippling in the wind. Gary readjusted his goggles again to get a good look at what was written on the banner. It read, Go on the forklifts. What do you think, Gary boy? said Seb. Good, isn't it? I wrote it myself. It's brilliant, Seb, said Gary. Thanks for all the support. Best of luck, old chaps, added the colonel. Gary and his dad waved back in thanks. Gary's mum then caught their attention. She blew a kiss at both her husband and her son. In turn, Gary and his dad blew kisses back at her and smiled excited smiles. Right, time to go, declared Gary's dad. We've a long journey ahead of us. To great cheering, chanting and cackling from the onlooking companies of gannets, the travelling party pointed their bills skywards, extended their wings, flapped them powerfully a couple of times and effortlessly took flight. With the sun at their backs, they headed eastwards to meet their sporting destiny. The travelling party broke the journey up into three stages that included two sleepovers. The first evening, they rested at the base of a lighthouse that sat on top of a bleak, rocky outcrop in the middle of the ocean. The lonely lighthouse keeper did not seem to mind the arrival of the sixteen gannets. In fact, he seemed to be happy to have new guests that evening. It made for a pleasant change to the puffins and herring gulls who had their nests there. He even threw out some bread crusts and breadcrumbs for the gannets to sample. The lighthouse keeper could not have known, but uh, Gary was allergic to white bread. He would come out in red blotches on his face if he ate as much as one crumb. And Gertrude, well, she was allergic too, but her reaction was even worse. If she ate as much as one crumb of bread, she would be farting for the next two days. Anyway, the Forklifts athletes, in preparation for the upcoming egg, were on a special diet of oily mackerels wrapped in stringy dead man's bootlaces, and they stuck rigidly to this. The seven members of the egg trial committee, however, 
had no such problems with bread or diets and merrily chomped on the crusts and on the crumbs. As the night closed in, the lighthouse keepers switched on the bright torch that cast a strong beam into the approaching gloom. The shining beams seemed to swirl and dazzle at regular intervals. Whatever you do, don't look at the light beam, announced Gertrude suddenly. Why not? said Gregory's uncle. Because you'll get hypnotised. Yeah, right, replied Gregory's uncle. He ignored Gertrude's advice and flew up to the top of the lighthouse to get a better look. He sat in front of the beam and watched it go round and round and round and round and round. After just one minute, his eyelids got heavier and heavier. He slipped into a trance. Suddenly, he opened his eyes wide, spun around and stared unblinkingly out at the sea. Gertrude had watched Gregory's uncle fly up to the top of the lighthouse. She became very worried when he turned to face the sea. Gary! Gert! Tiny! Come here, will ya? The other three had started to doze after their day's flying, but snapped out of it the moment they heard Gertrude's call. They rushed over to her side. What's up? said Gary. Look up there, Gregory's uncle. Yes, he's just looking out at the sea. No, no. My dad told me of stories like this. If you remember, Gertrude's dad worked out at the lighthouse south of the forklifts, and he had seen many strange things happen there. Be ready to catch him. What? Just be ready. Then Gregory's uncle started to walk up and down on the spot. He moved his wings forward and back like he was marching in a military parade. For whatever reason, he decided to march forward, right off the top of the lighthouse. It was very much a case of onwards and downwards as gravity took effect and the wide-eyed gannet started to tumble towards the jagged rocks below. Amazingly, he did not try to fly, but instead he continued to move his legs and wings as if he was still marching. Gertrude, Gary, Gerhardt and Tiny immediately took flight and managed to grab a hold of the tumbling gannet. Gary caught one leg, Tiny the other, while Gertrude and Gerhardt managed to grab him by his wings. It was a close-run thing as they managed to stop Gregory's uncle's fall just centimetres from the rocks. They eased him to the ground and let go of his legs and wings in the expectation that he would just lie still and snap out of his trance. But instead, Gregory's uncle hopped back up and stood to attention. His eyes continued to stare strangely into the distance. He began to move his wings forward and back. Then he started to shout. Left! 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 Right! Left! 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 Right! Left! He started to chant. I don't know, but I've been told. Out of date fish finger should not be sold. Quick! Hit him a slap! ordered Gertrude. Without much hesitation, but with much glee, Tiny threw a hefty right hook that connected fully with the marching gannet's yellow head. Ouch! cried Gregory's uncle. What's that for? He looked around confused. 
What am I doing down here? The last thing I remember is heading up to the top of the lighthouse to check out the beam. You managed to hypnotize yourself. No way. Yes way. The four of us managed to catch you before you crashed down on the rocks. Gregory's uncle looked around. He smiled a bashful smile. Jeepers lads, thanks for catching me. I thought I was marching on a fluffy cloud with a platoon of soldiers. You do know that we need a team of five to be able to compete in the egg team event. So if anything happens to one of us, we're all snookered, said Gary. So let's try not to do anything daft from here on, okay? Late in the afternoon of the third day, Team Four Cliffs approached the nine inlets. The cliffs and rocky outcrops were teeming with gannets who had gathered from over 100 other colonies. Team Four Cliffs were assigned a small ledge on a north-facing cliff on the fourth inlet, and this would be their base for the next two weeks or so. Janie Mackerel, I'm exhausted after that journey, said Gertrude. I'll need a week to get my energy back. Me too, replied Tiny. He looked around at the rest of the members of Team Four Cliffs and saw heads nodding in agreement, but with one exception. Gary looked like he was just back from an afternoon stroll on the beach. The journey to the Nine Inlets had not troubled him one bit. Mm-hmm.